I was thinking this morning that um, we should stop ragging on each other, right? I'm a Panthers fan, and so I'm always ragging on Cowboy fans and Patriots fans. I'm a Wolfpack fan, so I'm always ragging on Tar Heel fans. And I'm a South Carolina Gamecock fan, so I'm always ragging on Clemson. And I've realized we don't need to do that. We don't, shouldn't do that anymore. We should stop because we don't need to rag on each other. We all have a common foe, don't we? The referees. Absolutely, without a doubt. I'm watching that game last night. I don't know if you watched the ACC championship game. I'm watching it last night. I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, even as a state fan, it's so, like, I couldn't believe that the referees did that to, to North Carolina. Sad. Oh, well. I'm over it. Go pack. We started, um, started, just started a series last week called True Story. And we're, what we're doing is we're just taking our time walking through the book of Luke, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that Luke. Not, he's, he's 425 today. Not that Luke. Um, we're walking through the book of Luke. And so last week we met the two men behind the book, Luke, not that Luke, but the Luke um, in the Bible. He's one of them. He's the one that, that did the investigation. He's the one that wrote the book. And then we learned last week that he was working for somebody. His name was Theophilus. We'll call him Theo because it's shorter and easier. Um, Theo funded the whole project. He's, he was a Gentile. And he was just like, look, I think maybe Jesus is true. I'm thinking about following Jesus. But could I pay you money to go investigate all these crazy stories that I keep hearing and see if they're actually true? That's where we get true story from. So Luke, Luke did all this investigation. Um, he, he did a lot of doorknob turning. If you don't know what that means, you need to watch the message from last week. It's on our website. Um, he was a doorknob turner. And so he, he found all these amazing stories, these almost unbelievable stories. And so when he's telling the stories, the people are like, there's no way that happened. And so he was hashtagging true story way before it was cool, right? It's cool. True story, dude, true story. He was, but he was hashtagging all the time, telling these stories about this man named Jesus, and people started to believe it. And so we know from what we see in this book, we know why they wrote it. It's, um, it's told us right here in verse 4. He wrote it, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So you can know that it's a true story. And so today... Um, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 5, all the way through 38. It's a huge chunk of Scripture. Um, but what we're going to find is these stories, these epic stories of how God does birth announcements, right? How God does birth announcements. Um, birth announcements have changed over the years. They used to be boring, right? Like if you had a baby, then you, your birth announcement went like this. Hey, dude, I had a boy. Want a cigar? That was the birth announcement. Now, if you were a church person, it was like, Hey, dude, I had a baby. Do you want a blue bubblegum cigar, right? You had to have some way to make it cool and churchy. Um, but today, thank God, we have upped our birth announcement game, right? The culture has upped the game. And so I brought a few, just some examples to show you some creative ways. If you're thinking about doing birth announcements now or ever in the future, um, here's one, uh, mom and dad are getting me a human. That's cute if you're a dog person. Here's another one. <laughs> I like this one a lot, eviction notice. Get out, because I'm going to need that crib, right? Um, if you're a gamer, this is creative, right? Third player has entered the game. That's nice. Okay, like, let's just pause it here for a second. Dads, how many of you, honestly, you're like, that would have been me, right? Just, you know, I faked it like I was really excited, but I was scared out of my mind, right? Just fell on the floor. Um, reservations for two crossed out, now reservations for three. That's cute. 
Women, how many said, that's how I'm going to do it if I have to do an announcement, right? Men are like, what are those, right? What are those? <laughs> and then this is my favorite. As the father of twins, I can relate to that one, right? It's like, we're having babies. Go throw up. Twins? It's just, right. Uh, so thankfully, we have created things we can do. I can put those pictures on, on Facebook and all over the Internet. Um, thankfully, we don't just have pictures. We have gotten really good as a culture at videotaping how people respond when we drop the news on them that we're going to have have children. So I scoured the internet. I did a lot of research on YouTube. I went to the ends of the earth to find this video for you, and I think you're going to love it. So what I love about that is three very different responses. Um, you, had, you had thrilled and ecstatic, and I'll just be sitting in the corner blubbering, right? The three very different responses to the same announcement. And so what we're going to find in Luke chapter 1 is there are two birth announcements. Two times, one chapter, the same angel shows up and gives a birth announcement. And just like that video, there are two different responses. So my prayer has been that we be challenged this morning as we kind of watch this, listen to this, be challenged in how do we respond to the good things that God has to say to us. Now, we don't always read the entire passage, but today we're going to read it. I'm going to start in verse 5. I'm going to end in verse 38. So if any time during there you get lost, just meet me at 38. Okay, just go straight there and wait and I'll catch up. Okay, so here we go. Verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abraham. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. Bible speak for old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were, were outside praying. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will, be, will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. He's smart, isn't he? He's like, I'm an old man, but I ain't calling her old, right? She's mature, right? Okay, she's well along in years. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had, been, he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept playing Pictionary in front of them. Wait, no, that's not what it says. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home 
After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. That's the first birth announcement. Here's the second. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you're a highlighter, if you like to mark in your Bible, I want you, you need to get a pen out right now. And you need to circle verse 38. This is going to be the verse we're going to end with today. And this is like, if there's a life verse, this has got to be the one. As I've prayed for our church over this specific message, this is the verse that I've prayed God would burn into our souls. This was, this was Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I want to do this, okay? Now, I, I know I'm normally like a two or three point preacher, right? So I've got six. Don't freak out. They're going to go quick, all right? But I want you to write them down. There's no blanks to fill in. We're just going to throw them up on the screen. You can write them down on a sheet of paper if you're taking notes. Just six observations that I'm making as I go through this, these two birth announcements. Um, there's probably more, but these are the ones I came up with. And so maybe while I'm telling them, I'll show you where they are in here. Maybe God shows you some other observations. Fantastic. But let's start with these first, okay? So here's number one. God uses what men can't or won't. God uses what men can't or won't. It's amazing in our culture how many people feel thrown away. It's amazing how many people feel overlooked, unqualified. Like, Man, I wish I could do something great, but nobody will give me a shot. It's amazing how we can feel so inadequate. But God uses what man can't or won't. Zechariah, he was too old. His wife, too old to have a kid. Mary, too young. At this time, Mary's 13 years old. 13 years old. I have a 13-year-old daughter. And I, I'm, like, I'm thinking, God, can I picture Sydney raising you? No. No, I cannot. Right? 13 years old. She's too young. Yet God chooses someone too old and he chooses someone too young to do something amazing through. When, when I was a teenager, um, lots of inadequacy, just self-esteem issues, just all kinds of stuff, depressed. I remember one time in church, um, our, the youth were going to do, do some song and sing and everybody had a part and somebody couldn't do a part. And so I was like, I'll do it. You know, it's my, my big break, right? My big break. I'm going to sing. And I remember, I mean, it took everything I had. I don't know how you do in front of crowds, but like I'm just nervous, you know, and I'm trying to warm up. It's not working. It took all that I had to blurt out the line, sing the line that I was going to sing. And when it was over, I was like, I think I did a good job. And, and, and one person one other youth and their family came up to me, and this is what they said. After I did all that, 
they walked up and said, hmm, well, I guess now we know why you don't sing. And it, it marked me. It, it marked me so much that I've led worship for 15 years. That there wasn't a single Sunday that I sat behind the piano and led a church in worship that I wasn't hearing that in my head. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Leave this to the professionals. Listen, let me tell you something. The Bible's not a book for professionals. The Bible's a book for people like me and you that man may not use, but God says, I want you. I love that. What, now, if that's the only observation you get, home run, right? I got five more in case you didn't like that one. But that, man, that's good. That's good for us to know. He uses what man can't or won't. Here's the second one. God is in control of what appears to be out of control. Um, we don't really see this as, as clearly in Mary's story, but I'll just highlight um, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Do you see all the details in that? Six month. Nazareth, town of Galilee, virgin pledged to be married, a man named Joseph, descended from David, virgin's name was Mary. Like, there's a lot of details in there. And I don't know if you've noticed this, like, about ancestry. Like, if you do the whole ancestry.com thing, you got no control over who you came from. Have you figured that out yet? Like, we can't travel back in time and go, you were a terrible grandpa, I'm going to get another one. You got, like, downstream in the ancestry, you don't have a choice. You have zero control over where you came from. Mary had no control. Like she's not sitting somewhere with her, like as, a, as an 11-year-old with a daytimer, just planning it out. Like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and that's going to end me up in Nazareth at the right time. I need to make sure I run and bump into Joseph, make it look like an accident. You know, like she's not doing that. She has zero control. But do you see how God got her where she had to be? He's in control of the things that appear to us to be out of control. You really see it when you look at Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. He is one of 18,000 priests who served the temple. Commentators have said this. There were so many priests serving the temple that what Zechariah got picked to do by Lot, really by God, was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Once-in-a-lifetime so the, the likelihood that he would be picked on this day, he has no control over that. Like they are casting lots to see who's going to go in, and he gets chosen. And God was in control of all that. Now, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know how out of control your life feels. I've lived in seasons that felt very out of control. Like, oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you've just got to know this. You've got to know this. No matter how out of control your world looks, you serve a God who sits higher than that world. He is sovereign on a throne. He is in control. There is no panic in heaven, ever. He's in control of the things that appear to be out of control. Here's number three. God does the unexpected when we're faithful in doing what's expected. He does the unexpected when we're faithful in doing what's expected. When we meet Zechariah... And his wife, Elizabeth, it says this in verse, four, verse 6. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. I don't know how you would do with that. Like, I'd be happy just to serve a few of them blamelessly. They served, observed all of them blamelessly. They were faithful. They were upright. 
And, and even, even the people around them. It says in verse 10, when it was time for Zechariah to go in to do what he was going to do in the temple, that there were people that were outside assembled and worshiping. They were praying. They were praying and worshiping. They were doing what was expected. They, um, I mean, I'm not knocking the American church, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a part of it. I'm a product of the American church. I was raised in church. And so the American church mindset is you're the professional, do the job. Hey, we picked you, Zechariah. Dude, I'm going to go watch the Panthers. You go in there and burn the incense. That's the typical mindset in the American church. But here, the people were like, you've got a job, i got a job. We're going to be faithful. We're going to do what's expected. And, and I'm, I'm going to be here praying. Luke does a great job. I mentioned a bunch of themes that we'll see. You know, like he elevates the status of women. Think about that from Mary's perspective. Mary's a 13-year-old girl in a culture that does not honor women. And she's about to be pregnant. And not married. God elevates her status. She's called later on blessed, highly favored. He elevates her status. Luke elevates the status of prayer. He does a great job. You'll see this as we go through the book. He'll tie prayer together with something amazing that God does. Like you'll go, wow, that was amazing. Oh, look, people were praying. Oh, look, people are praying. Oh, something amazing. He just ties them together. And so right here, something amazing is about to happen. And he makes sure that we know. That it's because people are praying and they're doing what's expected. And that sets the stage for God to do what's unexpected. In Mary's life, we don't know a lot. She doesn't, we'll get a lot of description about her life here. But here's what we know for sure. She was faithful. It's implied. And she was pure. I mean, don't let this bypass you, right? She's a virgin. She's pure. She's been faithful. She's chosen because her normal routine put her in a position for an abnormal visitation. One of the, I don't want to say pet peeve because that sounds really strong, but we'll just go with it. One of the pet peeves I have as a pastor is when people come to me and they say, when is God going to do something amazing in my life? I don't know. Let's dissect that. Tell me about your life now. Well, I don't really do church. Uh, okay, um, that's all right. What else? You, you, like, you got a Bible? No, I don't like, like to read the Bible. Okay, um, like uh, you hang out like you Christian friends? Eh, I don't really like Christians. Okay, God's not going to do anything in your life. Okay, I'm not going to do anything amazing in your life. Like, Paul, when will I see stuff in the Bible like you do? Like, I don't know, like when you read it. Right? Because that's all I'm doing. Just reading it. And pray and say, God, please help me understand this. It's like when we do the things that are expected, that sets the stage. When that becomes your normal routine, just faithfulness day in and day out, it's amazing the things that God does. I I'm so guilty. I don't know if you just, I'll read books and I will read stories about from these great preachers and these great writers, and I get so jealous. I'm like, God, when do I get to have that story? And then you ever ask God those questions, and the minute it comes out of your mouth, you're like, oh, shut up, Paul, shut up, Paul. Don't give God the chance. Because God, he's jumping on it. He's like, um, well, let's talk about their lives, what they have done, what they're doing, the faithfulness that they, that they exhibit. They're not sending up flare prayers, right? They're praying on a steadfast basis. It's amazing. God does the unexpected 
when we're faithful in doing what's expected. Um, verse 4, I mean the, second, the fourth one. I don't know if you ever feel like God's not listening. You ever feel that way? God is just not listening. So um, this one's for you, okay? I love this. God's word can overcome God's silence. Um, just a little bit of Bible history here. We're in Luke. But this is, um, the stories that we're reading now, this is breaking 400 years of silence by God. So between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years of silence. Um, depending on the age of your children, you would welcome some silence, right? You're like, just, dude, take them away. Give me 30 minutes, right? We're going to have a parade. In the parade next week, we're going to have our kids, like, riding a, a, on a float. Some of you are about, yeah, I'm just putting them on the float so they'll just be gone, right? And I'm just going to chill at the parade. I need, some, I need some silence, right? So, but 400 years of silence, it's a long time. And so what we're reading in Luke, this is breaking God's silence. What he's saying to Zechariah this is not something that happens all the time. This hasn't happened for 400 years. And I don't know if you've ever had conversations with people that suddenly went wrong and you said things in anger and then they were gone. Like maybe not dead gone, but they were gone. The door slams and there's this awkward thing hanging in the air until you can get closure and make it right. You know what I'm talking about? You ever experienced that? So um, I'll, I'll read it to you. We'll put it up on the screen. But Malachi chapter 4 um, we'll just read verses 5 and 6. These are the last thing, this is the last thing that God said before he hung the phone up for 400 years, okay? You ready? Check this out. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Hangs up. This is what they hear before he hangs up. So now when you see the word or, it means what happens before, what's before the word could happen or what is after the word could happen. So for 400 years, the Israelites, all they knew was this, God's going to do something and it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. It's either going to be families getting together or we're cursed. Um, that's Bible talk for we're screwed, right? So that's it. That's it. Like that's either or. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. For 400 years, they have no idea what it's going to be. So that's a lot of silence. And so here we are in Luke chapter 1. Zechariah ends the temple. He's burning incense. An angel shows up. And just listen to how when God finally speaks again, how his word overcame his silence. Okay? Just, I love this. So verse 13, but the angel said to him, Luke chapter 1, verse 13, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. This is the first thing that Zechariah has ever heard. His entire life, he's never heard God speak. But as a priest, he knows, he knows that verse from, from Malachi. He knows. Like whenever God does pick the phone up and start talking, it's either going to be good or bad. Please let it be good right and that would you be like i'm begging you god let it be good and so here's what the first thing he hears you were to give him the name john you know what the name john means yahweh is gracious promising right that sounds good that's a good thing so like right now zechariah's going "Ooh, snap that sounds like the beginning like before the or right that sounds like the good side of or and so we continue give him the name john he will be a joy and a delight to you. Sounds good. Many will rejoice because of his birth. Good. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine. Mm, okay, we might need to talk about that. Or other fermented drink. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. You're like, I don't know what that means, but it sounds fantastic. Many of the people of Israel will be, will be, he'll bring back to the Lord their God. And here's our verse, verse 17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And at that point, Zechariah's ears, had, had, they had to have gone, wait a second. That sounds familiar. Malachi 4, 5. I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will go out in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Zechariah's like, dude, I've heard that before. My family's been talking about that for years. They've been telling us every year. We sit down, they would tell us, look, the last time God spoke, before he went silent, and we don't know why he went silent, but he went silent. The last thing he said was either he was going to come and turn the hearts of the children and fathers, or he was going to come and there was going to be a curse. And Zechariah hears this and goes, it's grace. It's grace. Yahweh is gracious. And I'm going to get to name my son that. And he's looking around. For, who can I tell? There's nobody with him. He can't tell anybody. He, he can't believe it. And, and then what does he do? He asks a question. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is mature. Now, that's verse 18. Look over at verse 34 real quick. After Mary hears her birth announcement, she says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? They both asked the same question, didn't they? They said, how can this happen? Now, here's what you got to see. Here's number five. Uh, go to the, the next one. God knows the heart behind the mouth. Whew, that's not good, right? God knows the heart behind the mouth. And so what that means is they both sounded like they asked the same question, but God heard what they didn't say. And the heart behind the mouth, let's just examine the heart behind the mouth, right? So Zechariah said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. What we find out is the angel, Gabriel, tells him he's not going to be able to speak again because in verse 20, 20 it says this, because you did not believe my words. So Zechariah's like, wait a second, time out. How is that going to happen because I'm an old man? He asked a question that was based in unbelief. But Mary said, how would this be since I'm a virgin? And we know this. We know this from down later on in, in verse 45. It says, blessed is she who has believed what the Lord said, that it will be accomplished. She wasn't doubting. So he asked a question of unbelief, and she asked a question of uncertainty. And I just want to make sure that you understand the difference, okay? Unbelief and uncertainty. Because God saw a big difference in how he responded. So what we can know is this. God will always correct unbelief, and he will always protect uncertainty it's huge it's a big difference he always corrects unbelief he always protects uncertainty and so when Gabriel the angel responds his response to Zechariah was one of authorization do you do you sense the attitude like I don't know if angels get attitudes but he got an attitude right he's like how can this be how can I be sure I'm old my wife is old and the angel said dude I'm, I'm Gabriel I stand in the presence of God I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God to hear and speak to you what I've been sent to tell you. How can this be? I'm Gabriel. I stand in his presence. It's one of authorization. I'll tell you how you can know because I'm here. Because I was sent by God. And because you don't already know that, boop, zip it, dude. You don't get to talk. Elizabeth, best day of her life, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Huh, let's just move right along. But Mary, when Mary said, how will this be? And you got to see this. How do we know? It was just uncertainty. How do we know that? Because Gabriel didn't give her an answer of authorization. He gave her an answer of explanation. He actually leaned in and said, well, let's, let's talk. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to fall asleep. Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, overshadow you, and you're going to have, you're getting pregnant. You're going to give birth. You're going to be a virgin to the Son of God. He didn't get mad at her. He didn't tell her to be quiet. Because there's this verse, I want, I want to throw it up there. It's um, Matthew 12, 20. I love this. This is how Jesus operates. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. See, God has this amazing way of dealing with uncertainty. And uncertainty, would. here's how you know when you're uncertain. Uncertainty says, I believe you because you're the messenger, but I'm just not sure about this message. And God doesn't kill you for that. He's just like, okay, let's talk. Let me tell you how I operate. I don't break things that are bruised, and I don't blow out candles that are barely burning. I come alongside them, and I bring them back. That's how Jesus operates. You see that with Mary. He told Zechariah, shut up. He told Mary, listen up. Let's talk. And he explained to her how he was going to do it. This is the heart of God. I love that. I love that. He knows the heart behind the mouth. Here's the last one, and then we've got to wrap this thing up. God uses us equally but differently. He uses us equally but differently. It's just so, so important because we are a culture that loves to one-up one another, don't we? Like, you know, do you like one-uppers? Golly. It's like, man, how, they're like, how was your day? Dude, I'm so tired. Like, you think you're tired? You're right? It's like, shut up. Just let me have my moment, right? Quit one up my moment, right? Golly. This story would never have taken place if, if these characters had cared about that. They, they understood that God's going to use us equally but differently. Get this. Jesus was the way. He, we know that. There's a verse that says, I'm, I've come, I'm, the, I'm the way, the, the truth, and the life. So John's, John's whole role was to prepare the way for the way. Right? I don't know if you were part of our church when we talked about fullbacks, but John the Baptist was a fullback, right? He never got to carry the ball. He never got to score the touchdown. All he did was throw his body through the, through the offensive line and take on the big, bloody, nasty, smelly linebackers and bust them up to make a hole so that Jesus could come through with the kingdom. That's what John the Baptist did. And he never once said, well, I'm tired of that. Be your own fullback, Jesus, right? He never did that. He knew what his part was. He knew what his role was. He played it. He knew that this was what I do, and it's just as important as what Jesus is doing. Elizabeth, she gave birth. That's an amazing story. Can you imagine being Elizabeth? Can you imagine going and talking to Mary? They're, they're related. So, like, she's like, I got a story to tell you. You're not going to believe this. Like, I'm 128 years old. I don't know how old she really was. And I am going to get, I got a baby bump. I got a baby bump, and, and I'm not, I got, I'm old. I'm going to give birth to a child. And people could think that I'm her great, great, great grandmother, right? It's crazy. <laughs> and Mary's like, you think you got a story. I got that baby bump and I don't have a dude, right? <laughs> crazy, crazy. Like they could be going back and forth the whole time like trying to one-up each other. But they honored each other instead. And you got to see even how this worked out. I love this. Elizabeth gave birth unnaturally because she was too old. 
Mary gave birth supernaturally. She didn't have a man. It's, it's different. They have different things, but God used them. But they're, just, they're both, both important, both equal, but different. And we got to get that, man. We're in a church. There are people that are talented in different ways. There's a part for you to play, and it's not the same part that I play. It doesn't make my part any more important because I stand here. It probably makes me less important. I need to be working myself out of a job. We've got to embrace the fact that we all got different things to do, but they're all important. God uses us equally but differently. And, and maybe my favorite verse in all this is verse 15 in chapter 1. When, when, when the angel Gabriel's telling Zechariah how great John's going to be, and we all know what John's life verse was, I've got to decrease so Jesus can increase, right? So he's the fullback. He's busting through the line. He's got the bloody nose. He's got the grass stuck up in his helmet, right? And Jesus is doing like, the, woo, I don't know how Jesus would have done it. I mean, I don't think he's like dabbing. I don't think Jesus is dabbing, right? Jesus is like walking on water. Like I'm dumping water, walking on the end zone. I don't know what he's doing, but everybody's clapping for Jesus. And John the Baptist is getting up like pulling grass out of his helmet. At some point, when does John the Baptist start thinking, I thought I was important too? Well, check this out. Everybody sees John as small, but that's not how Jesus saw him. Verse 15 says, he will be great. John will be great in the sight of of the Lord. I love that. It means it does not matter if men and women around you think that you're important. Who cares what they think? Jesus said that John the Baptist was great. And he says that about you as well. I love that. So what does all that mean? Birth announcements, all these things we've been talking about with God, the amazing way that he works in both of these stories. What does it mean? What do we take away from this, right? It means this. There, there's only one response to a God like that, and Mary had it in verse 38. We've already read it. She said this. The only thing we can say to a God this powerful, may it be to me as you have said. Like, God, whatever your word says, I don't fully understand it. But let it happen to me. You know how the unbelievable, be, the unbelievable becomes the undeniable? When we accept the fact that it might not be understandable. But we're going to do it anyway. So here's your big idea. We just took Mary's words and made them rhyme. Okay, that's all we did. Here we go. Let it be to me what God has decreed. What's your big idea? Let it be to me what God has decreed. And decreed is just a fancy word that means said, but it rhymes. So we had to use it. The big idea, all that is, is just me saying, look, you're not going to remember everything I said. You might forget all the other six things, but if you just remember that, you're good. That's what Mary prayed. Let it be to me what you have decreed. As I prayed this morning before we came in, this is what I was saying to God. This is going to sound weird, but just hang with me. I was like, God, would you just give our church a merry spirit? Um, don't let the word spirit freak you out, right? Everybody carries spirits with them. Some are like in a bottle, right? (laughs) You know people that have a crabby spirit. Do you know these people? They're called grumps, right? You don't need to be around them. You know people who have a complaining spirit. It doesn't mean that they have a demon inside them. It's just like when you're around them, you're just like, ugh. And then people have a a joyful spirit. Those are the people that you're around. You're like, I don't know why I smile so much when I'm around them, but I I just like those people, right? And I've just been praying, God, give our church a merry spirit. Just mark our church with that prayer. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't have to. 
But God, let it be to me what you've decreed. According to your word, will you do that in my life? So some of you, God has given you promises. He has, he has shared things with you. You've read scriptures and you've marked them and highlighted them. You've prayed them over your kids. You've prayed them over your job. You've prayed them over the spouse that you have yet to meet. That one's really circled, right? God, look, I'm getting tired. And it's like, when, God, when? Now, I want you to forget when for a second, okay? What if we just made that our prayer? Let it be to me what you have decreed. What would God write in our lives? What story? It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. And I prayed that, that our lives would echo with the boldness of that prayer. Because we trust the message that comes from a messenger. Sometimes the message makes no sense. But if we know the messenger, we're good to go. Let it be for me what God has decreed. According to your word, let it be. Let's pray. God, I thank you for those in the room this morning that um, get to learn at through these birth announcements that we've, that we've studied. I mean, you have a way of doing stuff, God, that's amazing. And I'm just praying this morning that you would encourage us to find ourselves. And Zechariah was a great guy. I mean, he was upright. He did all the right things. But when it came down to crunch time, he just didn't believe. And I'm praying that we would be more like Mary, that we would find ourselves with a Mary spirit that would just simply you say it, and if we can understand it, great. But if we can't, we trust you. We know you. And we ask, God, that you would let it be to us according to your word. Let me just close this morning praying for one specific group. Of all the six things that we talked about this morning, the one that I really felt like God impressed on me to pray for was the first one. For people that... I feel like I'm, I'm somebody that God cannot use. And so I'm just going to, while your eyes are closed, I'm just going to ask you this question. How many of you say that's me? I just feel like I, I feel like I can't be used and I want God to use me. Just raise your hand and put it up and put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let me just close my t- our time just praying for that. Lord, for these that have raised their hands uh, and just have felt like, you know, throwaways, um, I mean, I can relate to that, God. And, and so I just pray now that their confidence would grow, not because they're suddenly better, but because you have made them alive. And you've given them something to do. You've called them to a destiny. And you are in control of that. I pray when they walk out of this place this morning, God, they would walk out to a mission field knowing that you are going to use them, no matter what anybody else says. I pray that you would give them boldness that would overcome the fear, that you would give them confidence in who you are, and that they would walk accordingly. That they would be Marys that would say, okay, if you want to use me, awesome. Let it be to me according to your word. In your name, Jesus. Amen.